0: Hey there, everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host Gourmet, and I am glad you are locked and loaded for yet another amazing dude story here with us tonight. I have with me my friend Art Monahan. Art, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great,
0: Gormy. Thanks. Well, Art, I'm glad to have you here with us, and I'm excited for us to dive right into your experiences. So, dude, tell us. What qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum?
1: Well, uh, thank you for having me on, buddy. Um, I think the biggest thing for me um, is, you know, being a fat guy. And it doesn't matter, you know, how much weight I've lost, what I'm doing, where I've been. you know, you never really escape that that fat guy mentality that, that kind of haunts you even, you know, into into the journey after you lose a lot of the weight. Uh, so for me, I was always kind of a big guy growing up. I was always the chubby kid on the, the basketball team. I was always the, the big kid on the football team. And, uh, and that was just kind of the way things went. And, and I think to a certain extent, you kind of develop your personality based on experiences like that. Um, I was always, you know, the, the quote unquote, jolly fat guy, if you were, uh, you kind of have to develop a sense of humor you know when you grow up as as the chubby kid i think and you can kind of see that in a lot of our personalities um you know there's there's a few of us on social media you know yourself included that that are you know generally pretty funny guys and, and i think part of it is you have to use that as a coping mechanism uh, kind of growing up but you know i was always the big guy kind of growing up but i was never you know never truly I mean, back then there wasn't morbidly obese like there is now there wasn't as much you know, social connection to it. That, you know that there is now, you know, with the with the extent of social media and Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Um, kind of just went through being relatively athletic. I played sports growing up and all that stuff, and I kind of did those things while I was while I was growing up. And it wasn't really until I kind of got to high school, and we, we had started a football team. My junior year of high school, we hadn't had a team before then. And I had played sports, you know, kind of growing up. So, you know, I was real excited about being on the football team. And being a big guy, I had always played the offensive line like all the big guys do. And I did my thing. You know, I played center growing up. That was my thing. I I was always the center. I, I started all the games. I did all that stuff. And then I got into high school and nobody had really played before. And so I went from playing center, being on the offensive line in the first half of the first game that we played, to playing quarterback in the second half of the same game. And and it was, it was things, yeah, it was, it was, I've never heard of it since. I've never heard of it before now. Uh, but that just kind of went to show you, you know, I, I was always an athlete. I was always doing athletic things. I was always involved in sports, but I was always effective. Um, you know, no matter what we were, we were playing, I was whatever the prototypical fat guy position was. And, you know, I went through high school doing that, and I was always, you know, the, the social butterfly, I was always out about, you know, I, I kind of built my, my personality on being the funny guy, the, the, the center of the life of the party. And that carried me for a long time, and I think, you know, unfortunately, hear a lot about bullying now, that we didn't hear about about it back then as much publicly, but I think that I avoided a lot of that just because of my sense of humor and personality helped me kind of avoid a lot of those. And and unfortunately, you know, that's really rough on a lot of people, and I feel terrible, but I never had that that shame growing up. I was never, you know, I was never picked on, I was never really bullied, those kinds Despite uh, growing up, you know, being the big guy, and I made it all the way through high school that way, without having too much of it, which I think really kind of helped me in my journey, just because it gave me a pretty, pretty good mental outlook and a pretty positive outlook. And I think, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, and I'm sure you know, unless somebody else has been through this, the game is mental. It's not physical. You know, you can. You can lose weight anybody can lose weight anybody can go through that journey I find that the people that are the most successful are the people that understand the mental part of it you know the, the mental aspect of staying positive through it. understanding that you know your results aren't going to come quickly and they're not going to happen overnight and you know you're, you're not going to get to your goal in two weeks or two months you know when you get to the point where you decide you want to lose weight and, and I never really thought about it when I was in, you know, when I was in high school and when I was playing sports and things like that. But you get out of school and, you know, you join the workforce and you get a job, you know, sitting behind a desk and, you know, you start to put on a little bit of weight You know, or if you go to college, you put on, you know, the first 40 or whatever they call it, uh, you know, and, and you do those prototypical things where you're not involved in those things day to day. You start that slow kind of backslide you know, into gaining 10 pounds here and 20 pounds there. Uh, and it kind of happened that way for me. I don't, you know, I don't have any one single memory of, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I gained a bunch of weight for some reason. I looked up one day, you know, I, I had my son when I was 21 years old. And I looked up at myself then, and I was a big guy, you know, at, at that point. And it never really, never really made that, that big impact on me never really had that aha moment then. Uh, it really wasn't until I got a little older that I kind of had that had the aha moment. It's funny, I think a lot of us can pinpoint that kind of exact moment where we really kind of tipped the scale and really made that decision to get healthy and take control of our own person. And I think uh, for me, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was I was 35 years old. And I was, I mean, at that point I was over 500 an pounds, and it didn't happen overnight. It happened over the course of 20 years, and and I was 35 years old, and I was waking up five or six times a night to do that. And I thought to myself, I said, "35 years old, I said, this isn't right. I can't, I can't have frost 35. I can't foster." And so I went to the doctor, and the guy's name is Dr. Sam. I'll never forget it to this day. And, uh, and, I, and I don't begrudge the, the doctor at all, but it's the doctor's reaction, the doctor's words that really kind of made me have that aha moment. And the doctor looked at me and said, God, what has have fostered. And the doctor looked at me, and I'll never forget to this day. To look right at me and say, no, you don't have scarcity. You're just really fat. And I kind of, I guess I, I guess in the moment I processed I moved along, oh, ha-ha, very funny thing. And after that, I really kind of thought to myself. I was like, you know what? I said, this guy's job is to help people get better. There's such a thing of bedside manner. I said, and this guy was so struck by what happened that he used those words. And that was kind of a wake-up call for me. I kind of had decided at that point the season, you know, even if the doctor you know was having this conversation with me, you know, using the words so abruptly, you know, maybe there's something to it, you know. And I was I was tired all the time, you know. You know, I'm sure you've had other people on that have had similar stories. You just you're tired of being tired, you know. You're tired of waking up and not having anything, feeling like you didn't sleep. And for me, it was because I didn't sleep. Uh, and that was kind of the first step on my uh, road. I uh, to the weight loss during the i had that doctor what I said, okay, this is it. I need to start you know, taking my life back. And so I had the doctor give me a referral, and I went to do a sleep study uh, at the hospital, saying, you know, you spend the night you know, with the mask on, and you have to cry on all the different masks, and have to sleep in the room that's not your room. You have to kind of you know get fitted as it were for the for the sleep mask. But I'll tell you it's as scary as it is, and, and it is scary because I'm not a huge fan of those type of things, it, it really was kind of eye opening because even just in that strange room, in a strange place with a strange mask on my face, I got better sleep than I'd had, you know, in the last five years. So I got the CPAP, and actually my my sleep apnea, because of my weight was so bad. I actually had had a BiPAP, which a lot of people don't don't really know about. And it's it air in and it's air out. So basically, this machine would literally breathe for me. And I was getting like seven hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep every night, and it was it was you know, night and day as it was, uh, No pun intended. To sleep and I had this energy that, that I hadn't had in a long time and, and it really kind of snowballed from there and I made that mental decision that I was going to do it. and I just didn't look back. I didn't give myself another option. You know, I was lucky enough at that point I, I could, you know, I, I made all my own meals. and ate all my own food. At one point, you know, I was living with my family and at, at one point I actually had a refrigerator in my room. I Seriously because I wasn't going to let myself, you know, off the hook for it. And so, you know, I, I had a sleep study. I started to, to do my, all my own food, all my own meal prep You know, and I didn't really know what I was doing at that point. I was, I was, you know, I was even healthier, you Um uh, But I, I kind of had uh, decided I was going to face the program when I was going to eat. I'd the same thing with, with my mom. Uh, and after that sleep study, I actually got into the bariatric surgery program uh, at, the, at the University of Vermont.
0: So, so yeah, so so you got into the bariatric program. It was it Were you saying it was at UVM or where? Where was the program at?
1: Yeah, it was. At, it was at UVM. Um, it was done on one of their off-campus sites, and you know, you you went to these meetings and you had these classes, and it was very formal and. As much coaching as I've done, you know, for other people and I've I've gone to other meetings and I've I've actually gone, you know, to a couple different places in the country and, and I've sat in on their meetings, I feel really blessed just because it felt like UVM's program was was the most thorough that I'd seen and, and it took me almost ten months to get through the program, you know, because they teach you all these skills. And I think that unfortunately I think that's one of the things where a lot of other programs fail is teaching the skills on how to deal with stuff after the surgery. I feel like that's a, a big part of the program. You know, people think they have the misconception of, you know, well, this is the end all be all I'm going to have this surgery and it's going to fix my problem. And, and an analogy that I've always kind of used is, you know, it's not the hammer that builds the house. It's the carpenter. The hammer is just the tool my surgery was just a tool. It was just something that allowed me, you know, to, to be able to get a handle on things and kind of move things forward. And even more now than when I'd had the surgery originally, when I was, you know, relatively a short time post-op now, it's much less a tool than it was before, just because, you know, over time, you know, your stomach does expand a little bit. You know, you get some of the, the ability to eat back. You, you don't have all the, the bruising and the healing and, and the swelling that goes on over the course of, you know, a year or two years after your surgery. And life becomes a lot, you know, more normal. And I think that part of the benefit that I had being in that program was I have the skills to deal with, you know, quote unquote, normal life now. You know, not having to worry about, you know, not being able to fit enough food in my stomach in order to get what I need to get, in the course of the day, but now having to worry about making sure that I'm eating the things that I need to eat, as opposed to you know not being able to, to get enough in. So I, I think I was lucky and And
0: I, and I'm curious, Art, like, because we're 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 kind of we're we're diving right into the you know, kind of like this major change, this major decision to have weight loss surgery. Did you go into the program with, you know, certain that surgery was the best option for you? Like, how, how did you go from the sleep apnea test? Because, you know, your life, you you took us kind of through like your life, like you had been the bigger guy until, you know, eventually this started to become a problem for you. Like, how did you go from, you know, that first, that, that wake up moment to deciding that the surgery route was going to be the best path for you?
1: Sure. So actually, my it kind of goes back even before that. My, my sister had actually had gastric bypass surgery probably 10 years before this. Um, she was you know relatively early in the process. And I had seen what she went through, and I'd seen some of the hardships and the struggles and things that she went through. And I kind of said to myself, because unfortunately, my sister has, to this day, still had some, you know, some side effects from the surgery as far as restrictions and things that she has issues with and foods that she can't eat and things like that. And I really kind of told myself that wasn't the route I wanted to go. And I kind of avoided it for quite a while. And. It really was, so after I'd had the sleep apnea test, after I had got it in my head, I think that was the big thing for me, was just making the decision that I was going to lose the weight. And it wasn't a decision to necessarily have surgery in that moment. It was just, I'm going to take this thing back. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to, you know, stop talking about it, stop doing it for a month and then giving up because it got hard. And so, I, you know, I went and I got a a personal trainer. And I went to the gym, and honestly, and you know this for me, at the extent of where where I was when I started to lose weight, I couldn't fit into the machines. I couldn't just run on a treadmill. Most treadmills aren't aren't built to deal with five hundred pound guys, and so I had a. There was a lot of that was a very difficult thing for me was deciding that I was going to get a personal trainer, and I was going to go to the gym. You know, and if nothing else, if this guy made me show up to the gym three days a week, then to me, I was getting my money's worth. And I had actually gotten pretty lucky. Um, Corey Sinati was my personal trainer at the time, and he's somebody that I still keep in contact with to this day. But he actually was a personal trainer part time, and full time, he actually worked at the hospital. And so when we started the journey he had said to me, have you ever thought about it? And I was like, you know what? It's not for me. You know, I saw what happened to my sister and and all I had in my head was what early gastric bypass surgery looked like. And like anything else, when this happens, you know, there's a lot of bad stories, unfortunately, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're still trying to perfect it. They're still, you know, trying to figure the things out. And, Unfortunately for her, there's a lot of little side effects, And, and she lost the weight, she lost quite a bit of weight. But, you know, she has a hard time with certain things, she had a lot of restriction issues because of the type of surgery she had. And along about the time that I was getting into this whole thing, I really had not even considered the surgery, and I was kind of against it. And luckily for me, Corey just kind of kept at me, you know, and he talked about it, and he's like, you know, I work with some folks at the hospital. In the bariatric you know surgery department and they're all really nice people and you know you should at least check out a meeting and so after about three or four months of this i kind of gave in and i was like you know what corey i'll go i'll check it out you know and i'll do that i'll i'll go for you i'll go to this meeting right that was my that was my way to convince myself you know i'm doing this for corey off my back you know and and i went to the the meeting and it was you know, it was an hour-long meeting, you know, you, you sat around in these chairs, and and when, when I went to these in, in 2014, when I went to this meeting, there was probably 25 people in the room, and I would say 80 to 90% of them were all post-op people, they were all people that had already had surgery, and, and they were talking about the surgery that they had, and the experiences they had, and and it wasn't. It's funny. I, I look back, and I, and I can tell you right now. And, I, and I'm getting a little choked up talking about it now. But I, I can picture the meeting. I can picture what happened. I remember the feeling of when I was there. But I don't necessarily remember any specific thing about that meeting. It was kind of all kind of blur to me. And when the meeting was over, everybody was very nice. The meeting was over. I, I went out into my car and i'm telling you right now i can i can paint you a picture of exactly what it looked like out what the sun looked like you know where i was sitting what my view was and i sat in my car and i cried and honestly it was the first time really in my life you know like i said i, I was always an athlete you know i was always involved in sports but i was always the big guy you know so you're surrounded by these guys that are all You know, in relatively good shape, and they're all, you know, fit guys and things like that. I mean, we were younger, but they were all involved in sports and they were all athletes too. And I sat in the car and I said, you know what? This is the first time that I've ever been in a room with people that understood what I was going through and understood what it was like to be the big guy and, and fight the battles that we fought and things like that. And it was, it was the first time that I had felt that. And so I sat there for probably, I don't know, a good five minutes. And I just kind of just cried and I just kind of let it all out. And it was it was right kind of then that I decided that the surgery was what I wanted to do and what I needed to do. And it was the first time I'd ever really given it any true, honest thought, you know, as far as this could be something that would work for me and this could be something that I want to do. And it was, it wasn't until that happened that I was really kind of open to the idea. And then at that point, just gone forward with it.
0: it it's almost like as much as you said you know your weight it, it took decades for your weight to come on to you but a lot of what was happening you know there was a lot of time you know there wasn't a lot of time you know there was you know you were getting it you know you had the sleep apnea diagnosis and you started working with the trainer you know and so this it's almost like you 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 were you were primed for that moment to come you know, for the right tool to kind of be put in front of you, you know, for that opportunity to happen. And so it sounds like there was, you know, a bit of serendipity at play, like even with your your trainer being involved with the hospital, like there's, there's some symmetry there of of that just kind of fa- the pieces falling into place for you, I think makes sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and it's funny because, you know, like I said, looking back on it, I, I that was how I justified going to it was I was gonna go to it because, you know, Corey kept asking me to do it. And that was you know, that was how I justified going there because to a certain degree I think unfortunately our pride stops us sometimes. You know, we have these preconceived notions about what things are like, you know, and and for me, unfortunately, it was I saw what my sister went through, you know, and and I had that notion in my head of that's that's not what I wanna do. And another thing that kind of I dealt with back then that I see a lot more of now, and I think part of it is because the surgeries are becoming more prevalent, is, you know, well, that's the easy way out. You know, that's that's the easy way to do things. And I can tell you it's not. It's 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 hard. It's, it's not a difficult or it's not an easy thing to go through. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people that don't struggle with their weight seem to think that it's, it's the easy way out. And, and I'll be honest, I kind of did to a certain degree back then. You know, it just made sense in that moment. I guess there's not really any other way to kind of say it.
0: I think people who look at it as an as an easy way out for some reason forget that you're electing to have surgery done on your body. You know, you're not you're not just asking you know, you're not just buying a set of cups. You know that are going to limit the intake of food because you're only going to eat out of those cups, like. You're choosing, you know, something that is a is a big deal. And and I, I, you know, as much as it was something that I I could never consider for myself because I'm I'm a big scaredy cat when it comes to anything medical. For me, my perspective has always been that like someone who gets to the point that they're making that decision has really given it a lot of thought about the fact that they know they're actually going to go, you know, under anesthesia and they're going to go into the hospital like there's there's a, a big there's a price to pay, you know, when you're having a surgery, you know, a a potential price, I guess is the best way to put it, you know, you're taking a risk. And so to think that any person would enter into that lightly, I think is, you know, is a wrong attitude. And are there people that use, you know, misuse all the different tools that are out there? Of course, you know, when it comes to weight loss, you know, people use and abuse things in different ways. But even a person who, you know, ends up not Eating the right way after surgery, or something along those lines. I still don't think they made a light choice, you know, an easy choice to have it done. Like it's there's a weight there, man, that I think is clear that you're you're choosing something that you think is giving you hope and is giving you the possibility of of making change to a situation that for people like yourself and like me and and others, you know, we've been living with our whole lives, and so to see that be something that could possibly help you make that change. You know, I think anyone who, like I said, you know, not to come circular or anything, but anyone who thinks that you're choosing an easy way out is, is misguided in their logic.
1: No, exactly. And that does, that makes perfect sense. And it's, it's funny because like you said, people abuse, I mean, people abuse plastic surgery. You know, I mean, if we could, you know, if we could have, and I've had plastic surgeries. So again, I don't, I don't necessarily take that lightly because I know what they went through. One of the biggest things that that I think people need to realize is that, what, especially you know, I, I do I, I do coaching for different things, and, and there's some people that I coach with health and fitness, and there's some people that I coach, you not know, with weight loss surgery, and preparing and, and talking about it, and people people that decide to go through the surgery, I can almost at this point I can almost script it for you, you know, and I, and I don't mention it to them before they go through with the surgery because i want them to to have their own journey and i want them to, to experience the things themselves but i can tell you right now the first two days after are miserable the first month after surgery is miserable and you can kind of see it with people that have had the surgery you can you can kind of walk through the the first 30 days after the surgery with them and everybody gives me the same, the same response, you know, for the first two days, they're just out of it because you're recovering and your body is lurching, you know, from what you just did, you know, the, your body doesn't even know what to think. And then things start to heal. And, you know, you get released from the hospital and you go home and then it sets in the panic. The What did I do? Why did I do this? I, I wished I hadn't done it, you know, and, and, you know, I've gotten countless text messages from, from just from people that, sorry, that was text messages just from people that, that are having the, those thoughts, you know, it's that buyer's remorse, you know, I wanted to do this and I felt so good going into it and now I'm miserable and I can't eat and what happens if this and what happens if that. And then about, Day 30, you kind of see the attitude change, that the tone of the messages changes, the tone of the phone calls change, you know, and it goes from, I can't believe I did this, to kind of, okay, I can I can see the light at the end of the tunnel here, you know, the pain is subsiding, the discomfort is subsiding, I'm starting to get into a rhythm of things, and then it's just, it's the coolest thing, honestly, me, that that I get to do is, then you get to watch these people just succeed, you know, and they, and they go through this time. They call it your free fall period. And they go through this time where they're doing the exercise and they're drinking the water and they're eating what they need to eat and they're losing. And you can just kind of see the confidence soar, you know, and, and the, the, the happiness on these people's faces. And I think that that's only because you have to go through those dark times you have to have you have to have those moments of am i going to be able to pull this off and and that's why i say that it's not an easy decision because you have all these horror stories just like anything else you have all these horror stories you have all these negative things going on and through all of it you make that decision to better yourself and i think that was that was really hard for me was to get past all of the things that I had seen. And it's funny because you mentioned being a scaredy cat. And honestly, for me, none of it, none of the negative connotation was aimed at the surgery part of it because I, I think I kind of led a semi charmed life. I've never broken a bone. You know, I, I'm knocking on my, my wooden you know door here. Ever broken a bone. I've never done any of that stuff. I've never been to the hospital for anything. You know, I've never, you know, never had to have any kind of complicated surgeries, you know, until that point. So I didn't have that fear of of being in the hospital and doing things like that. So I think that was another thing that kind of helped, but it was, it was just hearing what I'd heard about what happened other people and seeing what happened to my sister. But I got through that, but, yeah, I'd, I'd never been to the hospital before other than, you know, funeral, you know, uh, newborn babies and you know, the birth of my son and things like that. But it was never for me.
0: And so take us art into it. So was that scripted month what it was like for you? What was it? You you went through the classes, you went to the preparation and you had the surgery. It, and that was in, was it 2014 that you had the surgery?
1: Yeah, it was. it was. It's funny. It was October 30th of 2014, and I can tell you right now it's funny because Halloween in a hospital is just like every other day in the hospital. You know, people are dressed up like nurses and doctors. Um, but I, I spent two days in the hospital. Um, I spent half of the third day, and then they usually will release you when you can drink water, you, know, you can drink a certain amount of water. And I was, I was able to do that. And I want to make sure that I'm very clear about how I explain the next part because I always talk about it with anybody that's considering having surgery. I am, again, have led a semi-charmed life. The surgery that I had, I had gastric sleeve surgery. It's a little bit different than what people hear about bypass. And I can go into that in a little bit more detail in a little bit. But basically, I don't have any of those issues that some people have I don't have uh, I don't get sick when I eat too much per se I I do have you know issues with eating too much of certain things but I don't I I can still eat all the different foods I can drink milk I can eat steak I can you know there are a lot of people that, that have issues with things like that so my story is is the most positive outcome I think could ever have expected or asked for because I had a really good support system. I had my family there when I came home, you know, from the hospital. They helped take care of me. You know, I I had a very supportive job that you know really made it easy for me to to make this transition because I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, I want to hit the ground running. I want to take the extra time. I want to develop the good habits. And I want to make sure that when I have to return to work, when I have to go back to my every, you know, my day-to-day life, that I have the skills, the habits, you know, and, and the, the expectations in place to be able to do that and to succeed doing that. And I, I can't undersell how helpful that was because by the time I went back to work, I knew what my routine was, knew how I could eat, how much I could, you know, do. I knew how often I had to do it. I knew what it felt like to do it and, and I hear these stories of folks that go back to work after a week and I couldn't even fathom doing that. But I took the time and again and I and I built those skills up in order to be able to be able to handle it because we all have, you know, we all have those jobs where, you know, at the time I was working for Verizon Wireless and I was I was on my feet for ten hours a day, you know. And I was still 474 pounds when I went into the hospital to have that surgery. And so I got out, I had my recovery period, and then I went back to work. And to be able to handle those little curveballs, you know, of, hey, you know, I really need to go to lunch, but I've got to finish up what I'm doing first to do that. You know, I've got to be able to do this, I've got to be able to do that. And to understand how to, to deal with those things of, hey, I need to take time for myself. I need to make sure that I'm drinking enough water. I need to make sure that I'm eating every couple hours. Because if I don't, I'm not setting myself up to succeed. And I think I was lucky because I had developed that skill and that ability to do those things. So that when I did get back to work, I mean, I just went headfirst into it, you know. And I lost a considerable amount of weight, you know, not very quickly, but, you know, as quickly as I could have imagined. And I didn't really have any big speed bumps uh, at first. So I was very lucky in that, in that manner. And so I don't want people to think that, that just having that surgery is, you know, kind of the miracle cure because it's not. I mean, I, I did spend a lot of time preparing and making sure before I went ahead and, and did that. And I think that that really served me well. You know, once I'd had the surgery and then I was like, well, what do I do now? Well, I knew what to do now. I knew what what I needed to do to be successful. And it made it easier to be successful in the long.
0: That makes sense man, that you were able to kind of put that methodical preparation into place and then actually build a build a plan, take action and and see that success come through. So what was it So so what happened for you after the surgery? Like take us through you know, how the, how your weight loss went and like, what were the, the big, what were the biggest changes you saw, you started to see happening initially for you? And then, you know, when did things, you know, really start to pick up for you?
1: Sure. Um, so, I mean, I had my, I had my surgery at the end of October. Um, I was kind of, it was two weeks, three weeks before I could go to the gym. And when I say go to the gym, I literally just mean it was November in Vermont. So that was me walking on a treadmill you know for 15 minutes so it would take me 10 minutes to drive to the gym 10 minutes to put my shoes on you know 10 minutes to get stretched out and then 10 minutes on the treadmill and 10 minutes to get back you know get all my stuff taken off 10 minutes to get home so it was the habit it was it was the building of those habits you know in two weeks I got I got right back into it went right back to what I was doing to be successful when I started, my process, you know, we we just talked about the meeting that I went to when I decided to get into the program. That was that was basically January uh, of twenty fourteen. And at that point I was when I first went in to that meeting, you know, you go in, you know, the that day I was just happened to have both things scheduled on the same day. I had my first doctor's visit and my meeting the same day. When I got on the scale I was five hundred and twenty seven I have a picture that I post on social media occasionally of the day that I walked in there and what I looked like at 527 pounds. And I spent the next 10 months preparing myself for the surgery, you know, and building a routine, doing all those things. I walked into the hospital for surgery at 474 pounds. So I lost a considerable amount of weight just in those 10 months, just doing those things that I would need to do after surgery to be successful. So I had my surgery in October. I was back in the gym in two weeks, walking, and I just, I just made my, made my routines around. I built my life around, you know, the, the habits I needed to be successful. Drinking my water, planning my meals out, bringing my meals with me everywhere I went. I didn't eat out at a different restaurant at any kind of restaurant. I didn't have a drop of alcohol for ten months after my surgery, and. And that was a big deal. That was, you know, that was a long time before I had done anything off my plan because I had gotten so, so used to it and so it improved. And I think I lost the first month after my surgery, I think I lost 35 pounds. Now, part of that was they, you know, they cut part of my stomach and I had surgery and I didn't eat. I did all those things. And then I just slowly was down to, you know, losing four pounds a week, you know, five pounds a week. But I was doing everything 100. percent And those few months after surgery, I built a lifestyle. I was in the gym five and six days a week. I was eating, you know, what I needed to eat every day. I was drinking the water. I wasn't going out. I wasn't eating out. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing those things that suck you back into that lifestyle. And I, and I don't get me wrong, you know, this is five years later, six years later. I have the, you know, I still have a drink occasionally. I still you will go out to eat occasionally, but long-term success means those things become few and far between, as opposed to the norm. And so I went after this, you know, the this... search.
0: No, no, I, I was just gonna ask because what I'm, what I'm really curious about is like you're, you're talking about kind of the structure and changes that you made after, and, and something we didn't really talk about when we went through kind of the journey through your gaining weight was what was what was your relationship with food like before you got into this process? Like you obviously you got up over 500 pounds, man. Like were you someone that had, would you say you had like a really poor relationship with food or was it more just food access was something that, you know, were you were a boredom eater? Like, I, I'm just wondering, cause like we're, you know, you were hearing about kind of like what the big changes were in terms of, you know, how you had to approach your routine and, and food and, and be conscious of it. Like, was it just it was something you were not conscious of before? Like, what was your life like, you know, food wise and activity wise before you got, you know, before you had these changes start to happen?
1: So, as far as the food thing goes, I always joke, you know, um, I'm Irish and Italian. So, my relationship with food and alcohol was kind of doomed from the beginning. Um, and I joke with folks because, because it, I grew up in, you know, an Italian household. What I mean by that was, you know, Everything was food based. You know, we had dinner together every night. And that's, I get it. People, you know, look at me funny because now that's not the norm. You know, even in my household today, like it is in a lot of households, we don't always necessarily have dinner together at the dinner table every night. But that was what it was. We had dinner together every night. You know, if we had a celebration, it was food based. If we had a party, there was always a huge, you know, food buffet. You know, anything that we did socially revolved around food. And and I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people, but you know, that was that was what it was for me was everything was either celebrated by food or you know comforted by food. You know, you had a bad day, you know, you get some ice cream. You know, you had a good day, you have some ice cream. And so it's it's this this cyclical behavior, it's it's this relationship with food that I think Slowly over time, you know, just kind of deteriorated and became to the point where, you know, food became everything. You know, for me, I'd come home from work, I'd order a pizza, I'd eat a whole large pizza by myself and watch TV, you know, and and that was my day. That was what I did. I didn't, you know, I didn't get any exercise other than being at work because I was so big that by the time it happened, I was too tired. I didn't have the energy to go do that. that it circles and, and it circles and it circles. Uh, but I was always, even after, you know, family life, you know, I moved out of my apartment, out of my parents' house into an apartment, you know, food became that comfort thing. Food became, you know, the thing that you went to. You know, I, I'd go home and I'd get food. My mom would make food for me or I'd go and, You know, my, my aunt would make lasagna for me and lasagna in my house is literally, you know, it's, it's eight inches tall and served in a 26 inch long pan. You know, I mean, that's, and that was, to me, that was the, the, you didn't have to get me a birthday present. That was it. You know, like make lasagna and I'm happy, you know, do this and I'm happy cheesecake and I'm, I'm happy. And that was kind of how that relationship developed into all that. And I think that I carried that throughout. You know, it was, it was, let's see, you know, how big of a pizza we can build. Let's, let's, let's do the burger challenge. And, you know, we'll do the two pound burger and the pound of fries. And that, that became part of my personality to a point. You know, I was, I was the guy that you wanted to go out and eat with because it was always, you know, always an adventure.
0: And how so knowing that that was the life you were living and you, you went through this preparation and, and now you're obviously making some drastic changes. Like what were, what were the, because me- you, in the very beginning, you talked about, you know, being mentally prepared. What were the biggest mental challenges having these changes? Like, cause I know what I've talked to several guys and even, even have, have interviewed a few people recently who have had the surgery. And one of the things they talk about is, you know, after the surgery, it's not just, you want to change what you're doing. You you don't really have a choice in in terms of of changing you know your behavior towards food. So, what was it like to have that that change happen? You know, it wasn't so rapidly because you prepared for ten months, but you know there was a change. Like, what what was it like to go through that? What were the big mental challenges that came out for you?
1: So it's it was it's tough, and, and you never realize what you have to deal with until you have to deal with it. And and unfortunately, I apologize for this for me ahead of time, but I'm going to tell you the story that I tell a lot of the people that I talk to. And, and like I mentioned to you, it was it was uh, 10 months after my surgery before I ate out, you know, or I had a drink in a restaurant or did anything like that. And a reason being, when I was probably, I want to say, six months out from my surgery, I, I tell this story a lot. I uh I had gone to the gym. It was the end of the night. I'd gone to the gym. You know, I did my thing. I went and you know, I went and you know, hit the treadmill for a while, and then I went on the way home. I stopped at Costco to do some shopping. You know, and I grabbed my my good food. I grabbed my fruits. I grabbed my veggies. I got my my chicken. You know, I did all the the good good boy shopping. You know, like you're supposed to do. And I had all my stuff in the cart, and I go through the line at Costco. And everybody that struggles with food knows what happens after you check out at Costco. You fight that war because there's the food court. And like I said, I was raised in an Italian household. And so I looked up at the board and I saw sausage and peppers. And I said to myself, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a sausage and peppers. I'm going to take a bite or two. Just remember what it tastes like and then I'll be done. Now, I had just gone to the gym. I had just gone grocery shopping. I was hungry, you know, and I didn't realize what I was doing until it was too late, and so I got my sausage and peppers. I pushed my cart out into the parking lot, and we all know what the Costco parking lot looks like. It's a pretty big parking lot, and I had parked a little ways away from where I, you know, the inside of the building, so I get out of the building, and I start walking across. I take a bite of the sausage and peppers, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really remember too much about what it tasted like and things like that, but I know that by the time I got to my car, it was gone. The entire sausage and peppers, the entire roll, all of it, gone. I was standing there holding a piece of tinfoil. And for those of you that have had weight loss surgery, you know what bread does when it hits your system. Expands. Now this is six months after surgery. My stomach was probably at that point. I would say the size of a banana at best, and I had just had this sausage and peppers, which is by itself bigger than a banana, and this hoagie roll. And it hit. It didn't hit me of what I'd done until I got in the car and I was like. I just ate that whole thing. I'm going to be in trouble. Now, the volume of the food by itself is one thing, the grease factor of that is another. You know, and and I'll tell you right now by the time I was at the light to turn back into traffic out of the Costco parking lot, I was sweating. And we've all had that feeling you know, you, you ate way too much food. And now you get, you know, we always joke, you get the meat sweat. You get that sweat you just your body is just not happy. And I drove home I got back to my house I went to my bedroom and I spent the next five hours on the floor of my bathroom crying in pain. And I apologize if this is a little too graphic and feel free to cut it, but After my surgery, I've never been able to feel up, So I don't get that instant relief when I push myself too far. So I had to wait for my system to process everything. And the way that it does that is very, very slowly. And it's constant agonizing. And if it had honestly lasted probably another 20 minutes, I would have probably called 911. Was that I was I was crying on the floor I was sweating you know I I was trying to throw up because I couldn't my body just doesn't do that anymore and uh, I was trying to get rid of it any way I could and that's probably the most g-rated way I can say that and I'll tell you right now that feeling in the pit of my stomach has stayed with me to this day I've never made that mistake again and that's Probably what kept me from eating anything or drinking anything I shouldn't for probably you know quite a long time after that because I learned that lesson and it's something that you can tell somebody but they're never going to truly believe you until they experience it. And my point of that whole was I pushed my boundaries and I lost and that put me back in my place. And as miserable as that was and as Horrible of a night as it was, and I and I'm telling you, I can still, I can still feel that the pit of my stomach when I tell that story. I never made that mistake, before. so in the long run, I'm glad that it happened because it taught me a very valuable lesson about, you know, what I can do and what I can't do. But I think everybody has that that that's had weight loss surgery has had that moment where they understand that, and, and it's just it's absolute restriction that forces you to kind of change the way you approach food. And you had mentioned that, you know, that your friends and the people that you would interviewed hadn't had a choice. I didn't have a choice either. And I knew consciously in my head, I knew that before that night. But after having that physical manifestation of just exactly what happens when I don't follow the rules, made me follow the rules after that.
0: And so things progressed for you. You were losing weight, and along the way, as you're losing weight, though some some new opportunities developed for you, and, and things kind of shifted in terms of you know you found some purpose too in all of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I apologize; it's not what I'm about to say is not an infomercial, but it definitely I'm very passionate about the things that I'm involved in. After I'd had the surgery. I went into a local, a, a local place that sold, you know, protein powders and pre workouts and all that kind of stuff, and I talked to the gentleman that owned it. You know, and I said, "Hey, listen, I said I just, I just had this surgery, you know, I need something that's going to be really, you know, really clean, really pure, no fillers, no additives, because people that that have bariatric surgery, if there's any kind of fillers or there's any kind of byproducts and things like that, it makes it so that." You have a lot of discomfort due to gas and and bloating, and anybody who's bought you know protein powder off the shelf, you know at at your local grocery store, they understand what that feels like, what that gas and that bloating feels like. And I said that's the thing I need to avoid because you know, I'll go back to my sausage and pepper story. You know, if you don't put the right things, your body reacts. And for me, you know, it's very. It's a very painful. Gas can be very painful because of, you don't have the room in your stomach, and so he recommended, you know, a specific product of First Form, and that was something I'd never heard of. I'd never, you know, really dealt much with it. And so I took it, and it worked for me, and I was able to have some success with it, you know. And it kind of kept going along and, and going along, and as you know, we, we start with the social media, and get, I got more involved in their social media, and the opportunity you know, came along to kind of work with them, you know, and and basically become affiliated with their program. And it allows me to coach, you know, it allows me to help folks. Um, I'm lucky enough to work for a company that runs these awesome eight-week challenges, and you get involved in the challenges, and you have these great transformations. They give away $50,000 at the end of these eight-week challenges. And part part of why I do it, is because it gives me the access to help people. And I think that I was very lucky with my journey. You know, I came across Corey very early in my very early in my journey. And I'd had this very solid personal trainer that really kind of looked out for me and really kind of put me in the right direction. And I've always said that if I can be that person for somebody else, then you know obviously nobody wants to get to that point you know, in their life, you know, where they have to lose 300 pounds. But going through all of this, you know, would be quote unquote worth it because now I can help other people, you know, and I can help people lose the weight, take their lives back like I was able to do with mine. And that becomes so much more gratifying. And, you know, working with that company really gives me the ability to do that because of the exposure that they have exposure, you know, on social media, and the app that they have, and all the stuff that they do on Facebook, things like that, gives me that ability to to kind of give back. So I was lucky, again, with that kind of stuff. Uh, But I I really kind of tried to use it as a platform to help as many people as I can, Um, kind of not just necessarily, you know, bariatric clients and people that have had weight loss surgery. Basically, I always say that anybody that's willing to put in the work you know, I'm willing to help.
0: I think that, and, and the thing that I found really interesting, Art, is you started coaching even before you really had hit, you know, what would be considered kind of like before you, you hit your lowest weight. Like it was it 2016 that you started really kind of getting involved with that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was probably, I want to say around August of 2016. And I'd had, I'd had my surgery and I'd had some success and I'd lost, I want to say probably a Hundred and seventy-five to two hundred pounds at that point. And me, like we talked about, I built this routine and I built this this kind of lifestyle. And I really felt like I had a really good grip on it. And I think that was the thing that really kind of got me to that point of being able to help other people was I felt like I had a good grip on it now. And so I was able to kind of turn that back around. And kind of give back to those people that, that 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 wanted to help because right around 2016 is really kind of when the explosion of you know weight loss surgery kind of came into being you know that the numbers at that point you know 2014 2015 2016 2017 they were they were doubling every year the amount of surgeries that were happening in the country and as I had started to, to kind of talk to some people and, you know, you talk to these other people in these Facebook groups and, you know, weight loss surgery Facebook pages and stuff. And you just hear these horror stories of, you know, well, I had, I had weight loss surgery, you know, 30 days after I entered the program. And I didn't really know, you know, anything about it until I'd already had the surgery. And I didn't want that to happen to people because right now the last time I was looking at at any kind of numbers I would say I think it was 40% of the people that have weight loss surgery end up gaining at least 50% of it back said you know with the amount of work that, that you put in to do this like you had said you know you don't take this decision lightly why would you want to go to that point why would you want to end up going backwards like that you know because you went to a program where they didn't teach you what to do you know they just kind of gave you the surgery because on a good and a bad note insurance a lot of insurance will pay for the surgery now because it's it's considered such a positive thing and it helps with so many other issues down the line that a lot of insurances are covering raw surgery and so more and more people are having it which means that you know these the surgeries are being paid for by the insurance companies and the hospital is just unfortunately are pushing people through the system you know they're they're getting them in they're doing just the bare minimum of what they have to do to get them qualified for the insurance to pay for it they're giving them the surgery and they're pushing them up and I didn't want that to be what happened because it can be such a mental and emotional thing, just crushing blow when you lose all that weight and gain it back, that you're not likely to even, you know, be able to lose it again. And I wouldn't want that for you. So I had kind of made it a point of putting myself in a position where I could coach other so putting myself in a position where I had the education had access to information and I'm really lucky that I mean I have a registered dietitian on on speed dial you know and, and this guy is the most amazing dietitian I've ever worked with as far as making things as simple as possible and I think like you you know I, I'm sure you know in your journey the more simple you can make things the more you're going to stick to it the easier you're going to find success. And I' just kind of the approach that that I want to use is is make things as simple as possible. But I was able to do that because I'd had success and I found such a routine I was able to get in and I, th- I
0: think it's powerful that you wanted to take that experience you had been you had been through and you you had a great perspective on the pitfalls that people could fall into and you know so kind of like almost, Find a synergy to to put that together and be able to offer that support to other people. And in the meantime, though, you were you were still on your journey. Like where where did your journey go from there? Once that that experience started happening for you, you're helping other people. But what was what was going on with with your own weight loss journey?
1: So for for me, it really you know I was kind of kind of just going along, you know, and, and I'm having slow success, and I'm you know, I'm doing the things that I need to. And I had such a large amount of weight to lose that it was was something that was going to take me quite a while. And I knew that. And so I worked at it and I worked at it and I worked at it. But your body is unfortunately a very adaptive machine. And after a while, so for me, I was going along on my journey. I was still losing really slowly, but your body is very adaptive. And my weight loss had kind of slowed down and I was stuck around 285 and I hadn't been having success, you know, after losing all of that weight and, you know, you know, doing so well for so long. And I think that's a really big hurdle for a lot of people are those stalls, you know, the the plateau that you call it. And we've all gone through it. You know, anybody that's losing weight, regardless of weight loss surgery or not, anybody that's trying to do those things, your body equalizes after a while. And you really have to kind of either change the game or you have to tighten the belt. And with what we were doing with my weight loss surgery stuff and my diet and my macros, I really didn't have any necessarily any way to kind of tighten my belt per se because I wasn't able to anyway. So restricting even more wasn't really in the cards. And so like everybody else, I kind of, I kind of changed things up a little bit and I was able to kind of change into what I was doing into almost, almost an intermittent fasting style eating. Um, And I went very low carb, almost, I want to say, it was, it was borderline keto. Uh, everybody's got a way of doing what they do, and, and everybody calls it something. And my answer to folks that say, "Did you go keto?" was, "No, I didn't, because I didn't monitor any of it." You know, I, I'm sure that it was rep- replicating what it was like to be in ketosis, but but I wasn't eating that way on purpose. For me, I was just eating low carb because I liked it. I enjoyed it. My body felt better and reacted that way. You know, there are some people even my own son that when he does, when he tries to cut down and lose some weight, he's very, he's much higher carbs because his body feels better that way. And I think that that's the wonderful thing about all of this is as long as you're focused on what you're doing and you're doing it the right way, there is no One style. There is no one size fits all. You can make any of it work. It just depends on finding what works for you. And I think for me, I was at a point where I needed to kind of change my game up a little bit. So I went a little bit more low carb. I went and did a little bit of fasting, you know, nothing too dramatic. Now, one of the things that's beneficial about being a weight loss surgery client is that. I don't get hungry like like most folks do. The part of my stomach, because of my gastric sleeve surgery, the part of my stomach that produces the hormone ghrelin, which is what makes you feel, you know, mentally hungry. You know, it's that rumbling in, in your belly that isn't produced anymore. So I don't get that type of hungry. Now I can tell when my stomach is empty, and I have that empty feeling, and I know that I need. But I don't get hungry like most people do. And that's true for most weight loss surgery folks. So I'm able to adapt to like a a fasting style a little bit easier than a lot of folks, I think. And, And that was an advantage for me. So I started getting some success from that. And I think once I kind of got down off of being at 285 pounds, that's when the goal really kind of started to be light at the end of the tunnel for me. And and I, I'll go backwards a little bit. When I was about to have the surgery, we were we were talking I was talking to the surgeon about what type of surgery I wanted. And there's another surgery like what I had called the ruin Y bypass and that's a little bit different. It is a bypass style surgery as opposed to a sleeve. But that can be you can go back two years later and have another surgery on top of that to restrict even more and I I didn't really want to have two surgeries I didn't want to have to deal with it twice and so I chose to do the sleeve so the surgery that I had the doctor said well you know you'll probably lose some weight you know and you'll do you know you'll do pretty well you know you, you may lose 200 pounds and I looked at the doctor, and I said, "I, I, I said I'm going to lose 300 pounds. I said I want to, I want to get down to 205, 225. I want to lose 300 pounds. That's my goal in all this." And the doctor said, "He said you're never going to lose 300 pounds with that type of surgery." And so, whether he did that on purpose or not, that always kind of stuck with me. And so I always had that goal in my head, but I never really verbalized it because you know once you put something like that out there, it's it's out there. And so as I started to get to that 285 and 283 and 281, you know, the, the goal of losing that final 60 pounds really kind of became a reality. And at that point, I found a system that worked. And for me, it was just, it was just a matter of making sure that I was being disciplined. I was following the plan. I was doing what I needed to do. And as long as I was doing that, I was able to lose, but it was slow. And, and that's really mentally, that's something that you have to prepare for is you, you get used to you losing weight. And I mentioned before, you know, three, four, five pounds in a week. And, and that's great because that builds momentum and it builds confidence and it makes it, you know, makes it easier to stick with it at that point. But challenge comes when that really starts to slow down, you know, and you're losing a pound a week, a half pound a week. Some weeks you don't And that becomes very mentally challenging to stay to stay in the game at that point, to stay with everything. And I think for me, having my son around to kind of help me and go to the gym with me and make sure that I was doing the things I needed to do and having that support from my family made a big difference for me. And so I just kind of kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And I believe it was June of twenty eighteen. I hit two hundred and twenty-seven pounds, and that for me was that was that three hundred pound lost mark. And it's funny because it took so long that (laughs) I'll go back a little bit. It had taken me so long that I had actually forgotten what my initial weight was, and so. I have a tattoo on my arm. I don't have any other tattoos, and I'm not any cool stories. There's no, no tramp stamps or anything like that. But I have a tattoo on my arm, and it's it's number 520 because that's where I started, and that's where you know I set all my goals from 520. And so I went and I did this, and I pushed and I pushed and I pushed, and I got down and I got down to the 240s, and then I got down to the 230s, and. It had just coincided with the end of one of these eight-week challenges. It was literally—I'm not joking. I know this sounds totally staged, but it was literally the last night before I had to submit my eight-week, you know, transformation. And I had gotten down, and I had gotten down, and I was like a pound off of where I needed to be. And so I said, "Okay," I said, "I'm going to go to bed." I said, "I'm going to wake up. I'm going to take my transformation day know, take my picture." And if I don't hit it, I don't hit it. And I'm okay with that. But I had worked eight straight weeks of just I didn't I didn't cheat for eight weeks, I didn't have a cheat meal. I didn't I didn't do anything I wasn't supposed to. I kinda of really put my head down and I said, you know what? I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna show people that it can be done. So I got down to I was five hundred and twenty eight pounds the day before. And I woke up the next Two hundred
0: and twenty eight pounds
1: sorry 200 and no.
0: you 200, said five you said 528 the day before yeah. i'm like wow
1: yeah it was a big jump and so i was i was down you were to,
0: bloated you were you were holding a you were holding a little water yeah
1: like just a little bit and i wanted to get to that 225 and, and i wanted to get down there and i was at 200 you know 228 pounds and i'd wake up the next morning and i was was 227 pounds I was I was kind of upset because I really wanted to get to that I Really wanted that you know that number to be there. And uh, and I got a message from and I posted about it. I posted, hey, you know I got down to this weight, blah blah. I'm so close to my to my 300 pounds. I'm, I'm really close to it. Because 220 pounds would have been 300 pounds based on the numbers that I was going off of. And I really wanted to get as close to it as I could. And so I took my weight measurement, and I took my picture, and I posted on it. This is what I did in eight weeks. This is what I got down to. I said I'm really, really close to my three hundred pound goal. And the woman who was the dietitian for the for UVM's bariatric program messaged me. And she said, Art, she said, When you started this, when you came into the office, you were five hundred and twenty seven and I hadn't thought about it because it had been five and I had a five hundred and twenty tattooed on my arm. And I and I'd always said to folks, that's what I started at. I didn't even think about it, but I had hit that three hundred pound mark that day. At the end of that after pushing so hard for so long to do it, being disappointed that I was so close to my goal. It turned out that I actually had hit it.
0: And that's amazing because it one of the things that's interesting is like you're talking about how long it took you and it took a long time, but I mean, let's let do a little math there. You know, that was three hundred pounds in four years. You know, a little over four years. That's not a huge amount of time to lose three hundred pounds, man. That that's pretty phenomenal. Like that that that's a pretty amazing journey, like you know, and, and I know your journey continues from there, but like, I, I want you to, I hope you honor the fact that, you know, that's a, that's an amazing accomplishment and being able to, to hold on to that and, and, and see that that really is looking at where you were and where you got to is, is just really powerful.
1: Well, thank you, buddy. I, I do appreciate that. And, and I do, I, I do reflect on it with a lot of pride and, and I do understand what I accomplished and, I, and I'll never belittle that. Um, but it becomes your life after so long, sometimes you, you lose some of the detail to it and, you know, it just becomes, it just becomes what you're about. And and for me, you know, I, I know it sounds corny, but at the end of it, you know, I wanted to do it to show other people that it can be done. You know, I don't know that many people that have lost 300 pounds. I can count them on one hand anybody can get to their goal if they're willing to put in the work and they understand the journey you know and and they're willing to be disciplined and they're willing to do those things like i'm sure you have something in your head that defines your lifestyle to me i was willing to make those sacrifices i tell people i've spent more than one year watching the ball drop on new year's eve from a treadmill because that's how dedicated I was to getting to what my goal was. And there's there's nothing spectacular about those things. There's nothing there's nothing that's that difficult about walking on a treadmill. But it's the choice of choosing to go walk on the treadmill when all of your friends are out getting drunk and having champagne, you know, and, and doing extravagant things on New Year's Eve. And I'm sitting there on the treadmill watching the ball,
0: which I, I think speaks to that level of commitment that you you had, you know, and have to your goals, man. Like in this this journey that that you you've been on, and like you said, it, it, there's been, and and it's almost one of those things that that resonates really, you know, well for me because you talked in the beginning about how we start to define our, you know, when you when you grow up bigger and become bigger and bigger, like. You start to define that as your identity. You know, you become the funny fat guy, and like that becomes who you are. And then it's almost like we switch gears into weight loss mode, you know, and and focusing on those goals, and and that becomes who we are. And there's this real kind of like shift, and it still is about at the end of the day, we're still defining our identity, you know, based on what's happening with our weight and. there's something there that I think then becomes like the next level of a challenge once you you hit a really big goal.
1: No, a hundred percent. I agree. And and you can understand this. I mean, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you're the keto guy, you know, and, and I'm the guy that lost 300 pounds, you know, and there's, there's all these things of these labels that people put on you that at a certain, actually, you know, it, it becomes who you are. It becomes what you're known for. And, and I, I have a belt. I literally had, I have this, this amazing, you know, guy that makes, you know, leather lifting belts here in Burlington. And he made me this one that said 300 pounds lost on. And I carry like a bat And it was great. But it, after a while, it kind of just, you know, it becomes kind of part of your personality. And I think the biggest thing is, is using that to your advantage. Like, for me especially in this coaching i can look at someone in the face and say i understand where you've been and i know what you're going through because i've been there you know and th- and this isn't a knock on any personal trainer or any fitness coach or any you know any life coach or you know anything like that any wellness coach but as a 500 pound guy it was very difficult for me to tell my story to a 120-pound personal trainer that played soccer in college, that guy didn't know what I was through, and that guy doesn't understand, you know, what it's like to come home from work, sit in your chair, not move until it's time to go to bed, eat a large pizza, and then have to look at yourself in the mirror. And I'm glad that he's never had to go through that, but. I think that's one thing that, for me at least, if I were going to go through this again, I would want somebody that understood my story. And I think that that's that's one place where I can be a real resource to other folks.
0: Oh, I, I think that's exactly it. Like, I think there's, we never have the same exact experience as another person. But there is an empathy, you know, that comes from a level of experience, and that comes from different things. And and someone who is like I've got, you know, I've got good friends that are coaches that are more in the bodybuilding sphere, you know, themselves, and they know that when they deal with someone who comes to them and says they want to get ready, you know, for a fitness competition, that they're they're able to laser dial that in right away. But then when someone comes to them that you know wants to lose three hundred pounds you know their experience you know they can help up they can help that person but can they put themselves in that person's shoes and understand exactly what that person has gone through you know they might not be able to do that and i so i think there's something really valuable to harnessing that experience and the fact that you you wanted to not just go through the journey yourself but then find a way to turn that into you know you being able to communicate to other people support and and coaching and and helping them on that same path, you know, whether, like you said, you know, you work with some people that are, that are doing surgery and some that are not, you know, in are are different places, but still knowing that you were someone that could stand there and say, well, you know, yes, I was 527 pounds. You know, I know what that life is like. I know what my life was like at that size. And so, you know, tell me, you know, and it's almost like, I, I think I find this, like when I communicate with someone, like my 540 pound life was different than someone else's 540 pound life. But at the very least, I can say I lived a life at that size. So no matter what you tell me about yours, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna shock me. You're not gonna make me, you know, you're not gonna make my jaw drop to the floor. You know, bring it on. Tell me what, tell me what your life was like, and, and tell me how I can help you.
1: Exactly, and to be able to look at somebody and just say, I understand, and and meet, you know, and, and have that genuine, that genuine empathy you know, like I can watch, I can't watch, I don't know about you, I can't watch those shows that my 600 pound life show, I can't watch those shows. I get physically upset because here's somebody that has the tools given to them. They have everything provided for them and they can't make the commitment. And, I, and I'm sure there are people on that show, wonderfully. I wish them all the best, but I didn't have that Luck. I didn't have somebody to separate me from my everyday life for a year in order to do something like that. I had to fight through it. So if I look at you in the face and tell you you can do it, I know you can do it because I did it.
0: You certainly have, man. And what so how has that developed for you since then? You know, so that was that was twenty eighteen where it's twenty twenty. Like where where has art gone since that time?
1: Part of it for me was, you know, I, I, I'm kind of slow playing this a little bit, but moving into the world of doing things like that professionally, you know, I do it on the side now. I don't charge for what I do. I don't, you know, I do some coaching, you know, for folks that need some extra attention, but like the, the challenges that I run, the Facebook group that I run, that's all free. But in order to move into that as a profession, I went out in 2018 and I got my personal trainer certificate. And I did that not so that I could be a personal trainer, but because I would, I would like to get into health coaching, I'm doing that full time. And I think that you're going to see in the healthcare field, I think you're going to see health coaching kind of take on a different role now. Um, I, I think a lot of folks are a lot more aware of health and fitness than they were 10 years ago. Um, I think it's become something that's become a lot more socially acceptable, if it were. I think you're gonna see a huge explosion in health coaches being on the front line of of medical care, you know, as preventative medicine, or whatever you wanna call it, you know, having somebody help you with the mental, the, the physical, you know, the decision making, those kind of things, so that you don't get to that point where you necessarily need that, that surgery and to lose 300 pounds. And so I've gone out and I've got my personal trainer certification. I've gotten the things to become a health coach. That's the next step in my journey. Um, I would love to in a perfect world. I would love to take this full time and do this, you know, as a, as a profession. And I'm going to get there hopefully at some point. Uh, but again, for me right now, it's just kind of, helping where I can and doing those things that I can do uh, with that. Um, I did have, in 2018, I did have the chance through First Form, you know, to do some outreach and some, you know, some helping some bariatric folks through them and and going out there and and working with them to kind of help serve the bariatric community a little bit better. Uh, I haven't, I haven't had to do as much of that lately, um, just because these transformation challenges are really kind of taking off, we're able to serve so many more people that way than we were, you know, going out and speaking at meetings, that this is kind of where it's gone for me, is, is helping out, you know, the people through through the app and through the coaching and through the Facebook groups, uh, because that's how I'm able to help the most people. I'd love to be able to do it, like I said, Especially eventually.
0: That's kind of an end game I th- I think that's a great goal, you know, to see and something that, you know, you can take those proper steps to make that happen, man. Like I-, I have no doubt that you will put that into place. And how does that all play into where you're at personally now? Like it's great for us to talk about, you know, kind of the coaching side of things, but you know, where where are you at personally now in twenty twenty? Like how are you feeling about how that works to keep you on track and keep you focused?
1: Unfortunately for me over the last two years, I think I've, I've had some struggles and, and I've dealt with some things. And I've gotten complacent. You know, it's, it's very hard to kind of go at it for so long, like five years of just living that lifestyle, um, and pushing and, and pushing and grinding. You know, we've had some, some private conversations, you know, about where I'm at. And, you know, for me, I, I've put on some of the weight back that I've lost. And I'm sitting right around, you know, 265, 270 now. So for me, I'm kind of focusing now. Obviously, you know, with everything going on with Corona right now, you know, things are a little bit in the air. You know, it's, it's not quite as easy being closed. But there's still plenty of things that I can do, you know, as far as home workouts. And I have my peloton and things like that. For me, it's funny, I, I kind of joke with folks now that. I had this great, amazing success losing weight, you know, and then I kind of, I kind of stepped on the brakes a little bit and reality kind of caught up with me and and I'm living proof of what happens when you stop, you know, you stop paying attention to it and it stops being in the forefront of your mind. And instead of dwelling on that, you know, I, I, I started a new challenge, you know, a week ago. So I'm a week into getting back into prepping my meals and. You know, following my macros and getting my workouts in and things like that. And <clears throat> it's funny the, the, the analogy that I've been using is, I've I learned how to lose all this weight, you know, and do all these things. But now I have to reapproach this as a muggle, because now I've I've lost all the huge amount of weight, and, and now I'm losing weight like a like a normal person would, and, and I'm back to the week and I'm losing a half pound a week, or I'm not losing a pound, you know, and I'm having these small incremental changes, and the mental struggle is out of this world because I'm used to getting such fast results, such big every week, that out having to go back and do this and really, fight, literally fight for every pound, um, it's different, and and it's. It's a different kind of fight than I'm used to, and so I'm still learning. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to apply the same things that I've learned, you know, over the last six years of my journey, to make sure that I do have long-term success with this. Oh,
0: for sure, and and I don't, I I wasn't drilling into that to be like have like a, a you know a Barbara Walters gotcha moment, like Art behind you is a scale now. Step on it and tell us what the number reads, but. to articulate exactly what you're talking about because I think that's the real part of this journey that sometimes people don't think about like I think people look at at successful you know people that are successful in the weight loss and fitness sphere and it's almost as if they think like we we hit those those biggest goals and then we're we're somehow we're shrink-wrapped you know and you know, we we get a plastic suit put on us that that prevents any food from going in or out of our bodies. You know, we're kind of hermetically sealed for the rest of our lives in that one moment. But that's not reality. You know, that's not the reality of any of this. And I, I think, especially for people that are are in crisis right now with this literal crisis that we're all going through, like I think that's something a lot of people are running into. And I I think it's great that you're able to articulate. Like, I think that is some what you just said to me is like a a total aha moment. Like, you're right. Like, when you're 500 pounds and losing weight, the weight flies off, no matter what tool you're using, that weight flies off your body. You know, like, as as soon as you start to get your eating under control by whatever means, you know, you you see some rapid change. But then think about the, it's like you're losing weight now as an average person. You know, you're not someone who's 200 pounds overweight, 300 pounds overweight you know, you're coming at this from a very different place. And so I think that's an amazing perspective, man. And and I think it's something for people to think about, like, especially those people out there that, you know, sometimes there are people listening to this show that don't have huge amounts of weight to lose, which is, is they think they're the rare bird, but I, I think that they're not. And like, that person who has 50 pounds to lose 40 pounds to lose 30 pounds to lose, and they're not seeing a nine pound weight loss the first week and a 12 pound weight loss the second week, like, they need to understand that, you know, that level of work and commitment is going to be the same no matter what size you are. But yeah, the scale is going to react a little bit differently and your body is going to react a little bit differently. Like, especially you talked about, like, when, when you were talking about, your you know, our bodies adapt, really, you know, our, our amazing adaptive mechanisms. Like, when your body adapted when you were in the 280s, you know, when you kind of got stalled there, you were down to uh, 250 pounds. Like that's kind of an amazing thing that you had already been through. And so, yeah, the body pushes back, you know, the body pushes back in a lot of ways and our lives push back on us and, you know, we can't all go live on a ranch, you know, for nine months to to have our weight be taken care of. Like we do have to live our lives and, and live with the reality of our lives as we move through this process. So I just appreciate you kind of being open to say, yes, you know, this is a challenge that I faced and this is another challenge I'm going to face now. And this is where I'm at and this is what I'm doing about it. Because I think that shows, again, that structure and fortitude that you you knew and learned to apply and you know how to learn apply it again.
1: No, exactly. And it's funny because there, there couldn't be a, a more perfect time for the world to be in crisis because I think I say this a lot and I have a lot over the last six weeks is I hope that all the people that are out walking every day continue to do it after the gyms open back up and after they're allowed to go back to living their lives. Because I, I think it's a great thing for a lot of people. And I, and I just I hope that it continues. And I hope it's not one of those you know passing fads.
0: Oh, for sure. Because it's almost like there's this renewed focus now on our, our health in general because everyone wants to boost their immune system. You know, that's the buzzword but it's almost like that needed that focus needed to be there before any of this happened.
1: Exactly. And it's it's just it's it's great that it that it's finally shining a light on it, but I hope after the after the light goes out that people still just kind of keep going with it because people don't realize that <sighs> yes, there's a difference between it being difficult and it being tough, I guess. So th- there's a difference between it being simple and it being easy, I guess, is a better way to say that. It's not easy. What I went through isn't easy. What you went through isn't easy. Losing weight isn't easy. And, and I always joke with folks that first 250 pounds were easy. It's the last 50 pounds that almost killed me. And it's the same. Just because it's not, you know, it's not easy doesn't mean it's not simple. You know, losing weight is simple. It's math. You know, it's calories in and calories out. It's protein in and protein out. It's, you know, it's it's what you're doing every day plus what you're putting in your body. That's it. So it's, it, it, I, I hopefully we can, you know, kind of demystify it a little bit, but, you know, it's one of those things where anybody could do what we've done. and Anybody that, that's willing to commit to it, can get accomplished what we want to, you know, what
0: we want to do. Thinking about the context that we're in right now and, and just, you know, even I, I think this, this advice applies even outside of this. Um, What, what are your words of advice to someone who finds themselves having, you know, having lost the weight and they start to see the weight come back on and they're not sure what to do? Like, what do you think are the important things for them to think about and the, the action steps for them to take?
1: I think the big one of the big things that that comes with all of this is the ability, you know, to kind of put your head down and and do that work and get to that certain point. And then when you get there, sure, there's a sense of accomplishment that comes with that, but that doesn't mean you're done. Um, I I had somebody, you know, who's a very successful CEO and and he's, you know, he's accomplished everything that he's, that he's wanted to accomplish so far. I, I talked to him when I was at the end of this journey, when I was really kind of struggling. And he said to me that one of the mistakes that I made is I kind of shot for this goal for so long that one I, once I hit it, I didn't know what to do with myself. And he said, when I make goals for myself. I wait till I'm about 80% to my goal. And then I set a new goal, so I never actually get to where I'm going, because I always need to adapt that so that that doesn't happen. Because I know myself when I hit my goals, just like you do, you know, you let off. He said, so I just keep reaching to a different goal before I get to it. Before I get to that finish line, I extend the finish line so that I'm never quite there, so that I can stay on, you know, on top of it. And I think that that would have served me well you know i fought for so long to hit that number that once i hit that number i didn't know what to do anymore but now that i've i've done that now that i've i've gained that weight back the biggest piece of advice the biggest difference it's made so far is just being honest with myself again and going through as as cliche as it sounds just going back to the basics making sure I get my water every day, making sure I document what I eat, document it, write it down. You are going to be way more successful if you're writing down what you're eating every day because you see it and it's a conscious decision and you make that you make that extra effort to make sure that, because you don't want to write down that you had, you know, three donuts and a large coffee with sugar and cream. You know, you want to be able to put down, oh, I had an egg white, Omelet, and I had black coffee, and so you're more make those decisions if you're writing those things down. And so, the biggest thing for me is be honest with yourself. Sit down, and whatever your mechanic is for how you do that, go back to doing it every single day. Writing it down, putting it in an app, using My Fitness Bound, you know, using the Transformation app, whatever it is that you're doing, do it every single day with consistency and. You'll fall back into that groove.
0: I think that makes complete sense, and I like the anecdote you told about the CEO with goals because honestly, my my next question on the tip of my tongue is: so, are what are your next goals? Like, what? what are, where is where is that that next post you're looking you're headed towards?
1: So for me, I think that I've always kind of held that that two twenty five number in my head just because it always meant so much to me. I think that my goal at this point is just to get down to that area. And so for me, you know, right now my goal is to make it through this eight-week challenge. And I gave it the best effort I can. And then once the eight-week challenge is over with, I pick a different goal. And go with that. I always kind of be moving till I, till I get to that target. Because once I get to that target, I got to move it again. And I know that about myself. Now. I made that. Made that discovery of knowing that my current goal is let's make it through today my next goal is let's make it to the end of the week My next goal is let's make it through this eight-week challenge but for me right now i'm just i'm focusing on consistency focusing on every single day doing the things that i need to do to be successful and right now that's enough of a goal for me and then once I feel like I'm getting accustomed to hitting that goal every day, and it's becoming commonplace, then I'll take it a step. But I think for me, understanding and learning from my mistakes—I know now that I set set very short goals, and I just keep moving.
0: I think that's a great perspective, man. And and, and I honestly like that. Something that I think I've said several times on the show, like really is what i know i screwed up you know my my bit my first big you know my big weight loss you know time around you know when i get down to 210 pounds the first time you know when i put all the weight back on like almost all of it like it was because i i had set that goal and then didn't know what to do when i got there and so i i think that's a really smart way to think about it that you have to keep those those goals evolving and especially like i honestly man i just think it's really important for, for people like us specifically you know for people that have been 400 500 600 pounds you have to realize that this is a battle that never ends i i had someone today um someone that i i've been connected with for a while um who you know is struggling with with being over 500 pounds and, and trying to lose the weight and he asked me you know is everything settled for you now like have you have you gotten into the groove finally, you know, so that these challenges don't come up? And I'm like, well, the challenges keep coming up. And the challenges evolve and the challenges change. And some of the same ones come back up. It's just that you get better at identifying what those challenges are and identifying how you need to respond to them. And I think a big part of that for me is knowing what I'm working towards still. Like I I spend so much time as, you know, as, as Fat Mike and so much time as Weight Loss Mike and you know, I I have to know that a, a big goal for me is to define who I am when I, I'm not in that place of worrying about those things. But there has to be something for me to focus on. There has to be something for me to work towards, because if there isn't, like you said, like that's when complacency comes into play. And that's when the old habits come back, the things that you never completely exercise from yourself. It just you get you get better at having something else be in that place. No, exactly. And I
1: think It's funny i'm gonna i'm gonna name drop just a little bit here um so when you talk about like the weight loss community and things like that and you go and you start to do those weight loss things a word that comes into play a lot is that is that discipline word and uh there's a very famous uh, podcaster jocko willing and he's one of the greatest american soldiers and he has all these amazing, excellent reference you know, sources: these books, these you know manuals, these awesome podcasts, and, and Instagram posts. And he has a book that I think the saying, and I say this a lot. You were talking about, you know, how how to get back to, to you know how do you get back to being in that mode again? How do you get back in the groove? How do you deal with those challenges when they come up? And and there's a saying that he has. And there's a book that he has, Discipline Equals Freedom. And I think over simplistic in what it is, but when you can wrap your head around it, it makes perfect sense. Discipline, following those guidelines, doing those things that you do every day to be successful, puts you, with, when you've gotten through to the point where your habits become disciplines, and you have that discipline, and you have that mental toughness. That puts you in such such a mental freedom, such mental clarity that the stress just kind of goes away and it you really just become so much more successful because you're not worrying about it. You know, when we first started these journeys, we were probably pretty scared. I remember I was, you know, like I've done so many diets and I had done You know, made so many promises to myself that I was going to lose weight and I was going to, this was going to be the time and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this through and, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do. And then, you know, flash forward to two weeks later, I wasn't losing all the weight I wanted as quickly as I wanted and I gave up or, you know, I cheated on my eating or I didn't do this or I didn't do that. I didn't have that discipline. I didn't have the ability put those things together and have those little victories every single day to build my confidence back knowing that I can accomplish those things, knowing that I could I could lose that weight because I had that discipline.
0: That's fantastic, man, because you're that's a great now I'm stammering over stupid words. <laughs> um I, I I think you're right, it, it's simple. But it it puts it into such an, a great frame, like realizing the importance of that discipline and the importance of how it allows you to do all of the other things that you want to do when you put that discipline into place. And so I, I think it's great to see that that's, you know, something you're applying every day to this life that you're leading now. And, and I, I appreciate hearing this incredible journey that you've been on, man. And one of the questions I do have, you know, kind of as we as we we're heading towards the end of our time together. Like when we talked about life when you were over 500 pounds, like one of the things that stood out to me was you talked about, you know, things are good. Things are bad. You know, you you needed comfort. You needed pleasure. Food was what was there for you. What are the things that make you happy now?
1: I think, like I said before, I think one of the things that brings me the most joy is helping other people. And seeing that look in their eyes when when they have their aha moment, when they have their I can do this, like when I talked about, you know, when people have bariatric surgery, you know, right around that 30-day mark, I can kind of see things turn around for them. And I can show you countless text message conversations of just people's attitude changing. Hey, you know, you told me this is what was going to happen. Thank you for, you know, thank you for telling me that when when i needed to hear it you know i didn't have i didn't have that experience i didn't know what was coming i was afraid i was upset i was regretting my decisions you know but what you told me really kind of got me through that time you know and now i see it you know now i know i can be successful seeing somebody be successful in the long term that's that's what it is for me now that's my comfort now knowing that
0: I love that, man. I think that's powerful. And I I think that's something that will just continue to grow for you, you know, seeing because, you know, for the amount of time that we've been connected, I've seen it grow. And I I just think that really is is an amazing thing that you're able to give back to other people and continue to do. So we've, we've covered a lot tonight, you know, talking about your journey, your personal journey, and then, you know, your approach to helping people like is there anything out there that we haven't talked about yet tonight that you really want the audience to know about, either to know about you personally or, or just to hear from you in, in terms of your story?
1: Well, I mean, I think, like you said, I mean, as we're coming to kind of the end of this, I think the whole point of what I want to get across, and I, I made mention to it a couple times, anyone can do this, and, and I think that that can't get said enough because I know. I've had those feelings of, I can't do it. You know, there's no way I can lose 300 pounds. I went through those conversations with myself. I lost those arguments. You know, we all have that trepidation when you start this. But my biggest thing of trying to get across to folks is, anybody can do what I did. You know, People say, well, I wish I had the discipline you had, or I wish I had the motivation that you had. Let me tell you, over the course of five years, motivation fades. You get tired of relying on motivation. The people that have the long term success are the people that are disciplined. And I think find somebody that can help you simplify the process. You know, for me it was it was Corey. You know, just just being there for me when I needed somebody to make me accountable for being in the gym. You know, and then you know, it was Jeremy Mullins, the, the dietitian at first one. Being there for me when I was at 285 pounds and I needed a different approach. Reach out to those people, you know, whether it's whether it's me or whether it's you, gourmet or whether it's, you know, all the countless other people that we know, you know, that have been through the journey. Don't be afraid to take that first step and reach out to those people because I promise they're going to understand exactly where you're coming from. And I think the hardest part for some people is asking for that help.
0: That's fantastic advice, man. And if anyone listening to this show wants to reach out to you, how do they find you?
1: Sure. So <laughs> me being the super creative guy that I am, um, when I first started all the social media stuff, I, I made my first and last name my everything. So my email is artmonahan at Gmail. My Instagram is artmonahan. Facebook, you can literally search out my name Art Monahan, and it's you know it's a silent G, and literally my my cell phone is listed on my Facebook page. My one of the things that I've always prided myself on is that that my life is an open open book. I don't nothing's private, you know. I I have a private Facebook page, and that's for other folks, you know, to keep their story private and, and share their successes with the people in my group that they want to share it with. But getting a hold of me couldn't be easier, you know, and I'm sure at some point. You know maybe I'll be famous enough that that'll be a detriment but for now I want to be accessible to as many people as I can because for me the easier it is for somebody to take that first step and reach out the more likely they're going to be
0: there you go man and I will make sure to have links to, to art social in the show notes for this episode so you can track him down even easier And Art, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy 5. Are you ready for your run-through? Oh,
1: hit me, buddy.
0: Okay, so you are now the second person to get the updated version of the Fat Guy 5. There's some oldies and some new ones in there, so get yourself ready, man. Here we go. Question number one, living or dead, Art, who is your favorite fat guy?
1: Boy. I would have to say, as far as living or dead, if you're going to open it up um, for me that way, I would have to say John Panette would be one of those guys that I think, you know, I consider myself a pretty boisterous and outgoing guy, and mm. he was one of the wittiest, one of the quickest, one of the funniest. I, I think that we would share a very similar personality just because we seem like we always have that kind of positive vibe. But we're also very self-deprecating to the fact of making it easier and being more approachable.
0: For sure, for sure. I I remember the first time I heard him talking about um, the Wizard of Oz buffet in Las Vegas. And I still, to this day, crack up um, at that routine. If for anyone me. hasn't heard it, you, you, you want to look that up. Oh, yeah. Um, question number two for you tonight, Art. Can you tell us what is one lesson that being fat has taught you?
1: Boy, I, I would say the biggest lesson that he, being fat has taught me is develop a personality because if you have a good personality and you have you know a positive outlook on things, Unfortunately, in our society, people are judged by their looks so many times. But as far as as far as those people that really transcend all that, you know, looks fade. You know, your personality it is kind of forever. People re- will remember your personality a lot more than they'll remember the color of your eyes.
0: I like it, man. Question number three, Art. What is one piece of advice that you would give to your past self?
1: The biggest piece of advice I think I, I could ever give anybody is, is stick with it. You know, it's, it's worth it at the end. You know, in those times, whether it's, you know, the first couple days after you start working out and you're sore as hell and you just don't want to get up and go the next day, you figure, I'll take a, 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 take a rest day, I'll take a day. You know and then that day becomes three and three becomes five and we start the cycle all over again. Stick with it. It's it's definitely worth it. You know, I, I, mean, I can't possibly tell you how grat, you know how gratifying it is. You know to to understand what I've been through and try to try to instill that in other people. You know to, to see that in other people that you, know, you, just, you stick with it long enough. You're true to yourself. You're going to have success.
0: I love it man. Question number 4. Art tell us something about yourself that you love.
1: I love for me that I'm always positive. You know, I can always find the positive in things and and I almost to the point of it annoying the crap out of the people around me. You know, I'm always going to figure out the, the the good in things. I'm always going to see the good in things because I learned a long time ago that being negative is not going to get you Anywhere, but being positive can get you through pretty damn near anything.
0: There we go, man. And question number five, your last question tonight, Art. Tell us, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related?
1: Uh, that, that's a good one. Give me a second here. Mm-hmm. So much of your life gets revolved around it, you know, health and fitness. Oh yeah. Kind of starts to take everything over. I would say, you know, and it's kind of poignant right now based on what we're all going through with, with all this virus stuff is, is to travel more. And unfortunately, I, I don't mean to be unoriginal, but it really has to do with the fact that, you know, when I was bigger, I couldn't travel. I couldn't do things. And so I made it. A place right. To travel more. And so for me, you know, people always say, Oh, I hate flying. I hate flying. No, I love it. I will. I will get on a plane just to get on a plane and go somewhere different, mm-hmm. experience new things. And I was lucky enough to get some traveling done last year, but you know, this year I would really, I would really like to travel more.
0: I love it, and I relate to that a lot. I, I, I've got at least two trips that are being canceled by all this stuff going on in the world already. So I'm already trying to plan. You know what's going to come next. You know, because it, it is. You're right. Like when you literally can't do it, it, it becomes something that is you know, an experience that you almost crave when you realize that it, it is something that you can access now.
1: 100% agree.
0: So Art, I want to say a big thank you for sharing everything with us tonight. Like, man, you really opened up and brought not only your journey, but your your some great advice, I think, for people out there that are going to be heading on to journeys of their own. So I just really want to say thanks, man, for, for joining us here on the Fat Guy Forum.
1: Thank you, Gormy, Man. It was an honor, buddy.
0: And everyone else out there who is listening, you of course I'm going to let you know how to find art, but you might want to find me too if you haven't already. You can find me on Instagram at gourmy underscore goes underscore keto. You can connect with me on Twitter at Gourmy Goes Keto. And you can also always email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. And my friends, don't forget. Go out there and do something to amaze yourself today because you are amazing people, whether you believe it or not. And then come back and catch the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.